morning and welcome to each of you this morning and greetings in Jesus' name. Welcome to our visitors. A few people here that have been away or people that have lived here. Welcome to each of you. Glad you're here with us this morning. I want to also take the opportunity to thank the church here for the recent offering. To appreciate that and God bless you for sharing in that way. This morning for a message, I'm going to continue there in 1 Peter, the series in 1 Peter. And if you recall the message the last time, I had talked about the elect and who they are. There in 1 Peter chapter 1, today I'm going to be focusing on verses 3 through 5. And as Jason read there in Hebrews and giving for the message today is on a sure hope. It talks about it here in 1 Peter as a lively hope. And as you recall what I've talked about the elect there in verse 2, who the elect are, it's according to the foreknowledge of the Father by the sanctifying of the Spirit. Then also it's the obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood. That is who the elect are. And this morning, the question is for you, are you a part of the elect? Is your hope alive or is your hope dead? Think about that. Either you have a hope that is dead or you have a hope that is alive. Is it even possible to have a dead hope? I'm going to read these first five verses here in 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I watched both of my parents approach death. Both of them died from an illness. Both of them had a living will. And a living will is basically is a written statement in regards to what medical treatment that a person wants to receive in case they are incapable to respond in what their wish is or what their desire is. So my parents had a written will. And that can be a blessing. I'm not here to preach about a written will whether you should have one or not, but that can be a blessing. At the same time, you wonder sometimes why your parents made that kind of wish, but that is something they desired. So you honor that. But more importantly than a written will, my parents had a lively hope.
And so it is because of a lively hope that you can face and approach death in a much different way. Yes, it is difficult. And as I stand here before you, I realize that there's people amongst us that have illnesses. And it is difficult to face those things. But it is because of a lively hope that we can rise above that and that we have something to look forward to. And so it's a blessing to see, as I watch my parents approach death, even though it was difficult, they had a hope, a sure hope, a hope that was steadfast. And it's because of God's abundant mercy, as it says here in 1 Peter, that we can have a lively hope. God's abundant mercy. When God does something, he does it abundantly. I think I mentioned that the last time, too. If you back up to verse 2, it says, Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Then he goes on to say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. God's abundant mercy. That's a tremendous blessing that we have. We have a living hope, a person that is born again or has, is a believer and has experienced God's mercy has a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we use the word hope in many different ways. We hope to have a nice day. In fact, we hope to have a nice evening this evening, this week. We hope to have nice evenings without rain. So we, we hope for these things. We hope to get a certain amount accomplished in a day's time. And we hope that our day goes well. So many of these things we hope for. And as a child, you may remember when, when your birthday comes up, you, you, you hope that you're going to get that gift that you ask for. You hope for that. Now, hope is a beautiful word. And it represents the possibility of a positive outcome. And I found it fascinating how often the word hope is used in the scripture. It's used approximately 130 times. There's many verses that use the word hope. Now, if you're Dutch enough to understand that the Amish people would say, Now that translated that say, We have a hope. We have a good hope. And so is it correct to think that we know or that we hope? And we could probably go in circles about that. But we do have a sure hope. Hope in the Bible is different than what we use in our everyday language. Nowadays, hope is expecting something to happen, but not being entirely sure that it will. It's more like a wish. We hope it happens, or or we wish that it would happen. So it's a little different than what the scripture uses. The Webster Dictionary defines hope as to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or to be true. 
And so this definition is sort of based on a little bit of doubt and uncertainty. But the biblical hope is knowing for a fact that the desired outcome will happen. And that's the hope that the scripture talks about. It's a desired outcome that will happen. It's not just a wish. It's something that will happen. It's a confident expectation. Hope in the New Testament means a reasonable expectation, looking towards the future with assurance. A reasonable expectation, looking towards the future with assurance. And along with that, there's joy, and it's related to Jesus. It is confidently, confidently expecting that something will happen and waiting patiently for it with joy and pleasure. Peter speaks of this hope as something that is lively. The King James Version uses the word lively. Some translations use the word living. The word lively there means living. This is something that is with us here and now. This is a hope that we have. This is a confidence, a confident expectation that we have, this lively hope. In 1 Corinthians 13, you have the love chapter there. And if you read that chapter, it talks about how that love, what love is. Love endures, love is patient, love is kind. And the one verse says, it suffereth, it suffereth long, is not puffed up. And then it says, it beareth all things. Believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love hopeth all things. And then at the end of that chapter, if you remember what those verses say there at the end, and now abideth faith, hope, and charity, which is love. And these three, but the greatest of these is love or charity. And why is that the greatest? Why is love the greatest? And there may be various reasons. But if you think about it, love never fails. Love never ends. It always will be. There's always going to be love. It will extend into eternity. But in eternity, will there be faith and will there, will there be hope? We will no longer have to walk by faith, like it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. There it says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Nor will we have to hope, because we will have seen what we hope for. Hope is always in the future and never seen. And so we hope, we have a lively hope. We hope for something in the future. It's not something we have seen. Romans 8, 24 and 25 says, we, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. So it's in the here and now that we have a living hope. It's not something that is dead. And Peter challenges 
us on this hope that it is, it is something that we act on. Because of this lively hope, there is a response from us. 1 Peter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So when this hope is within us, it's something that we act on. It is something we want to share with others. In Hebrews chapter 6, turn with me there. Jason read that portion of scripture, but there's a few things that I want us to notice there in Hebrews chapter 6. And here the writer mentions the diligence of his readers that God would not forget. Just notice verse 11 there in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Verse 12 says that you be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So we're not to be lazy in our faith. Not to be lazy in this hope that we have. But we're to act on that. Peter says, like I mentioned in chapter 3, verse 15, we're, we're to act on that. And then also here in Hebrews chapter 6, the hope that is illustrated in the life of Abraham. Notice that in 15. And so after he had patiently endured he obtained the promise patiently endured this is obviously an active living in the lives of the faithful because really if you think about it if we have no hope we have no basis for living when we give up hope what is the point to go on One person said it this way, when we have a strong sense of what the future holds, it totally changes the way we look at the present moment. I think that is so true. When we have a strong sense of what the future holds, it totally changes the way we look at the present moment. And so as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and what we have coming, it changes what we do. If we take our eyes off of that, if we focus on the negative things that are happening around us. We lose hope. As God's elect people, we have a living hope, or as Titus chapter 2, 13 says, it is a blessed hope, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Even in hard times, we have a blessed hope. We have a hope, a living hope. We live in a world that is often called hopelessness. It seems hopeless. You look at the world's situation and so many things seem hopeless. There's many things you could look at in the way that people live their lives, in the, in the we would say, the downward spiral that our society, our country is going. It seems hopeless. And as, but as God's elect, we have a hope that is alive and has value. We have something to set our eyes upon when life becomes full of suffering and difficulty. We have a hope that is based 
on the solid rock, Jesus Christ. Our hope is built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Peter was a witness of this resurrection. We just went through that story in our Sunday school lesson not too long ago about, Jesus, about Peter. And we know that Peter coming on the scene, he was one of the first ones there witnessing that the tomb was empty. But he writes about it then also in 1 Peter. Peter was the eyewitness of the resurrection. And he says it's because of that that we have this lively, this living hope. And then as God's elect, because of his mercy, with this living hope, there's an inheritance that we will attain. Verse 4 says about this inheritance. And I think we understand what an inheritance is. We all, some of you, may have received an inheritance. Some of us maybe are looking forward to receiving an inheritance. It's any assets that a person leaves after they die, whether it's real estate or whether it's personal values that a person had and it's given to the beneficiaries or those that it is willed to. And they get the benefits. It is given to them. It's something they inherited. Peter says here that we have an inheritance. He describes our salvation as an inheritance. Jesus himself being that inheritance. But it also includes all that he has provided and will provide for those that he has purchased with his blood because of the resurrection. And it seems like this inheritance, notice how Peter describes it, or almost doesn't know how to describe it. He only, he only tells us things that it is not. It is not corrupted or imperishable or, or perishable. It's not defiled and it's not fading. It seems like he didn't know how to describe this inheritance. So he just simply says what it is not. And by imperishable or incorruptible, Peter is saying that this inheritance is something that's not just going to decay or be destroyed. As we know that any human inheritance, it's, those things are going to decay. They're going to be destroyed. They're going to, as Jesus said, they're going to be eaten up by moth and rust and thieves. And they're going to be gone. We're going to lose out on that. But our heavenly inheritance is imperishable. It cannot be destroyed. He also says our inheritance is undefiled. So it's free from moral impurity or uncleanness of any kind. Now, earthly inheritance, inheritances can be a blessing, but they can many times work the other way also. You hear of stories of families of wealthy men who have died and have been known to degenerate into family spats that go on for years as, as greedy family members try to figure out where what goes. Inheritance can be a blessing. Our earthly inheritances can be a blessing, but they can also be corrupt. It has corrupted many people. But this inheritance that Peter is talking about, it's not. It's undefiled. No corruption. 
Furthermore, our inheritance will not fade. Earthly inheritance get used up. They disappear. They're soon gone. They vanish or they fade. But God's riches goes on. They're inexhaustible. And throughout all eternity, we, I don't, we will never get to the bottom of all of God, of all the inheritance that we will experience of God's inheritance. His riches. Notice what it says in verse 4. Reserved in heaven for you. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away. Reserved in heaven for you. What a promise that we have of riches in heaven. Inheritance that is reserved for you. Our inheritance has an eternal nature. And it cannot be taken away. It cannot fade. This, this inheritance is, is something that is permanent. And the, and the scripture doesn't have a lot to say about what this inheritance is. Jesus said in John 14, 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Jesus said there's many mansions there. You can read in Revelation. That's about where you get the most description of what our inheritance will be like. Much of it is left up to our imagination. Our inheritance. But he does say that this inheritance is reserved in heaven for us. And to me, this is comforting. Because if, as you think about it, I don't know how you experience it sometimes, but reservations today really do not mean that much. You can have a reservation at a restaurant, but that doesn't mean when you get there, there's going to be a table available for you. And have you ever noticed if you rent a car, you reserve a car, and you say what kind you want, usually you don't get the one that you reserved. And if you go flying, if you have a ticket, it doesn't really say that it's there for you or it's going to be available when you need to go. Reservations really does, they don't really mean that much. They don't hold that much water. Yeah, we, we hope, we wish. We wish for that to happen. But God's inheritance, it's reserved, it's going to be there. And you and I have that opportunity to receive that inheritance. Notice in verse 5 that there is a protection. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. There are two things that work together to protect us. As mentioned in this verse, God's power and our faith. We are kept by God's power through faith. We are protected by that same power that spoke the universe into existence. We were in our class this morning and, and Paul Nestle was our teacher there and he brought up the thing of, of Peter fishing and fishing all night and he probably not at a good spot but all of a sudden there was fish there how can that be did the fish have a mind or how all of a sudden was there just that many fish there 
But it's that spoken word by God. It's, it's there. It will happen. Those fish were reserved for Peter for some reason. We have an eternal reward coming. There is an inheritance for us. It is reserved. If we do not live by faith, then there is no power to save us or to keep us saved. It takes faith. And if we go away or stray from, from God's leading in our lives, I believe that security leaves us. We are kept by the power of God. And yes, we, we do have an enemy that wants to destroy us. We have an enemy that wants to lead us astray or to tempt us and to destroy us. And we have self that gets in the way. Satan wants to keep us from gaining that inheritance. Then also it has the word in verse 5, it uses the word ready. Ready to be revealed in the last time. And this word ready is if you go to chapter 4 verse 5, it also uses that word there. It says there, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? There, the the word ready is used to judge or to warn that God is ready to judge the living and the dead. And so God is ready to reveal what is ours in the last time. But he is also ready to judge the quick and the dead. The future holds one or the other for us. Either you will see the veil lifted on your salvation or you will wait to see or face God in judgment. Both are prepared. God is ready to reveal and God is ready to judge. What determines your future is seen in the phrase here in verse 5. It's through faith. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve says, For now I see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. One day everything is going to be revealed. Nothing is going to be hid. God is going to reveal himself. It's going to be revealed who you are. Where is your hope? Is your hope dead or is your hope alive? We sing a familiar song about hope. And this song was written by Edward Moat. He penned the song, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. Very familiar song. And I'm going to simply read those lyrics. As Edward Moat was, was writing this, or one day as he was walking to, to work, this was back in the 1800s, the thought popped into his mind to, to write a hymn on the gracious experience of a Christian. And as he was walking, The course came to him. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And by the end of the day, he had his four verses 
written out, and he tucked it away in his pocket. And later that week, he went to visit a friend's wife who was very sick. And he couldn't find, they couldn't find a hymn to sing. And so he remembered his written song that he had in his pocket. And so he pulled out those, those written words and they sang that hymn. And his wife, this, this man's wife, enjoyed them so much that, that she asked for a copy. And Edward went home to finish it up, his last two verses, and he sent it off to the publish, publisher. And so today... Almost two, two centuries later, we continue to sing those words of hope and assurance in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of circumstances that we face, trials and storms. We will cling to the rock that is our Savior. Verse 1 says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Verse 2, in every rough and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Verse 3, not earth nor hell, my soul can move. I rest upon unchanging love. I trust his righteous character, his counsel, promise, and his power. Verse 4, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. My hope for you is, for all of us, that we are standing on that solid ground, that we have a living, a lively hope. Yeah, it may be important that you have a living will, but it is much more important that you have a lively and a living hope. And that is through faith, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a blessed a hope. We have a hope that is sure, that is steadfast. Look in the scriptures of how many times the word hope is used. And then you will be blessed. I trust that we can hope, not only hope, but have the assurance of the lively hope within you. Kneel with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and what you've given us through your written, written